Think about how important stories are in our lives. You know, how much less exciting would your li- our lives be without, say, the story of a young Luke Skywalker reluctantly drawn into battle? How much worse off would our childhood have been without the story of mild-mannered reporter Clark Kent who, when danger strikes, rushes into a phone booth and rips off his clothes and takes off his glasses so no one will recognize him and goes into battle as the man of steel. You know, how much uh, less dramatic would our lives be without the, the chemistry and the sparks between Sam and Diane, Ross and Rachel, Jim and Pam, Jack and Rebecca? Have I left out a generation? Mike and 11. Every person has a story. And as we like to say around Genesis Church, every story matters to God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for the stories that we know in this room, but also for the ones that we don't know yet, the ones that you have not yet revealed to us. We know that every person in here has a story. And for each of us, our story is part of your story. And over the next three weeks, what we hope to explore, God, is just to hear how you're working in people's lives and to help you shape those stories um, that are written and the ones that are still unwritten. God, would you reveal those to us over the next few weeks? Even our own story, would you reveal the hidden parts that we haven't seen yet? And for those of us in the church, would you encourage us by the work you're doing in our lives? Pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, open your Bibles to John chapter 9. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there should be one of these blue ones on the floor around you. It's page 747 in this Bible. And as always, if you don't own a Bible at home or if you don't have one that you can read very easily, please take this one with you. It's our gift to you. We want you to be able to be in the Word with us every day. Uh, you know, when I was growing up, I loved to read. I loved to read stories. It started very young. I remember my dad uh, used to read stories every night, much like many of your parents probably did when he was tucking us in at night. And one thing I never understood, well, my favorite story, my favorite book when I was a young kid was Dr. Seuss's ABC book. And what I didn't understand was when I was a teenager, how my dad would still be able to recite lines from the book that he hadn't read for several years, dozens of years, a dozen years maybe. And so as a teenager, when my dad would say, big A, little A, what begins with A? Aunt Annie's alligator, A, A, A. And I'd think, how on earth does he remember that? That was years ago. I don't remember that story. And so now here I am. Now my dad's 72. And still all I have to do is say, dad, big B, little B, what begins with B? And he'll say, barber baby bubbles in a bumblebee. And I think, well, okay. But now my kids are teenagers and I read them that book as a kid. And here I am in my 40s and uh, big C, little C, what begins with C? Camel on the ceiling, C, 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 big D, little D, David, Donald, do, dreamed a dozen donuts and a duck dog too. Big E, little E, 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 ear, egg, elephant, E, E, E. I could go on, but I think you get the point. <laughs> Thank you for recognizing my talent. Uh, I think I'm, I'm just more worried that I have to pay a royalty to Dr. Seuss if I go any further. Uh, four fluffy feathers on a fiffer, feffer, feff. Um, what a, we all love a great story, don't we? We all love a great story. Think about some of your favorite books, and there's a chance that there's a great story in that book. Think about your favorite movies. I mean, while it's true that we sometimes go to see movies because we like the actor or actresses that are starring in them, or uh, maybe we like the special effects, most of the time, most of our favorite movies are our favorites because we love the story. We all love great stories. 
And I wanna tell you this morning, if you've put your faith and your hope in Jesus Christ, you have a story to tell. If you've decided to be a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, hopefully it's a story of growth. It's probably a story of change. It's the story of what Jesus has accomplished in your life. And it's what we're calling your my way back story or the story of how you found your way back to God. Now, unfortunately, most of us, even as Christians, we don't always like to share our stories with people. We don't always share the story about what Christ has done or is doing in our lives. And there's a couple reasons for that. One, maybe we don't think it's a very good story. It's a little bit boring. It's kind of mundane. Uh, We don't really think there's nothing special to it, right? For some of us, we've had a very dramatic story, but we don't want to share it because it sheds light on a part of ourselves that we feel like we aren't that person anymore, right? There's a, a major transformation, but our story involves a part of ourselves that we'd rather just forget. And maybe we're worried about what people might think about us. But for many of us, we don't share our stories simply because we haven't learned how. We haven't really practiced it. We don't know how to tell it. And practice is the key uh, to becoming proficient in any skill. I heard somebody use this analogy the other day. They asked, how is your handwriting? And well, my handwriting hasn't really changed since third grade. Uh, And the reason is because I haven't really practiced it on a regular basis since third grade. And, And for many of us, we don't have to practice it at all anymore, right? We can, we can go through our entire lives now. We could have kids that are born today that never have to learn how to write their ABCs because you can do it on a computer. But if we don't learn to practice these things, we'll never get better at them. And so here's the thing about your My Way Back story. It's not worth much unless you share it. Your story is a great story, but no one will ever know that unless you share it. And so as we look at this series, there are two reasons why we're doing uh, this series called My Way Back. Number one is we want to practice sharing our stories. We're going to have to get better at practicing those. But the second thing is, as a church, I think we'll be encouraged to hear the stories of what God is doing inside the people of this church. And so I'm very excited about that. One of the guys we talk about a lot here at Genesis Church is a guy named Paul. Not Paul, our pastor, Paul the apostle. Uh, Paul had a great story to tell. And the reason we talk about Paul so much is because he understood his story. He shared his story a lot. In fact, he would often share his story to the churches that he helped start and the churches that he supported. Uh, And we have a lot of those letters captured in the New Testament. And we don't see, I don't think, Paul's My Way backstory any place any better than in Philippians chapter 3. So you don't have to turn there. We'll put it on the side screens because I want you to stay at John 9. But uh, Philippians 3 says this. Paul says, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh... I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He says, hey, this is what I was like before. The things that my people held important and dear, I was really good at. He said, I was really good at persecuting Christians. I really understood the law. The the people who were the the Jewish people around him would look at Paul and go, that guy, they would go to his parents and say, that kid has potential. He's gonna go places, right? So Paul says, this is who I was before. And we all have a before story, right? Some of us have an after story, but we all have a before story. And Paul says this, but whatever were gains to me, In other words, all that stuff that I thought was important before, all those things that I held most dear, all those things that I put my faith in, those things that I found my identity in, he said, whatever were gains to me, 
I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And then he goes on, he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Paul had a my way backstory. And in many ways, his before story was living in direct opposition to Jesus and the people that were following him. But all of that changed for him on the road to Damascus. Paul was on his way to Damascus, which is in modern-day Syria. He was going to to, uh, put away some more Christians. And Jesus appeared to him face-to-face on the road, a dramatic encounter with Jesus. And Paul was stopped on the road, and he was blinded. Uh, But not until he got to see and hear from this Jesus face-to-face. The only problem was that Paul knew that Jesus was dead. Now, he had heard rumors of this weird group of people going around that saying he was, had come back from the dead. But as far as Paul knew, Jesus was dead. And yet here he was talking to Paul. And it was there on that road to Damascus that Paul experienced the love and the grace of God. It was, it was a day and an event that dramatically changed his life forever. And so Paul had this story and his story involved what he was like before Christ what his encounter with Christ was like, and what his life was like after Christ. And he realized that he needed to share that story of encountering Jesus so that others might encounter Jesus too. He made it his life's mission to share that story over and over again. And some of us have a day or an event in our life where we remember encountering Jesus, right? Some of us have uh, an event that changed our lives and we can point back to, you know, on August 26, 1993, I became a Christian. And every year you celebrate your, your spiritual birthday. You make yourself a little spiritual birthday cake and, you, and your whole family eat it because dad became a Christian on August 26, 1993 or whatever the day that was. And for some of us, well, we're a little bit harder headed and it took God a longer time to get to us. And so if somebody says to me, when did you become a Christian? I'll say, I don't know, it's sometime between 1995 and 1998. <laughs> you know, uh, we don't have that. Our story is more of, of a story of prolonged transformation. And some of you in this room, well, you haven't had that encounter yet. You haven't made that decision to follow Jesus yet. But wherever you are on that spectrum, I think this is going to be a great series and one that I think will encourage us in so many ways. In fact, these next few weeks for some of us might be a real difference maker in the way you see your life and the way you see your story and the way you see it as part of God's story or even in what the Lord's going to do in hearing all of these stories over the next few weeks and what he's going to do in your heart. But what if I don't like to talk about myself? Is this still for me? I mean, what if I don't, in fact, what if I don't even like people really that much? Is this still series going to be important for me? Yes. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that yes, it is. In fact, uh, if we look at another great church father, the apostle Peter, he wrote this. He said, uh, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then he said, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. And so if you put your trust in Jesus, Peter says, uh, that, that you have a hope that no one else in the world has. And, and if you believe that's true, and, and if you believe, like I do, that Jesus is the only hope for this broken world that we live in, and you believe that you've found the answer in Christ, then isn't it the most unloving thing you could possibly do not to tell anybody about it? 
And besides, it's not like you have to have all the answers. What we're going to talk about the, for the next three weeks is not about how to, how to uh, share apologetics or how to use Scripture to defend your position or whatever, because people can argue with what you have to say that the Bible says. People can argue with your positions on social issues that you get from your faith, but what they can't argue with is your personal story. What happened to you happened to you, and whether they believe you or not is their choice, but you know it happened to you. It's your story. You own it. You have it. And so during this series, we want to equip you and challenge you to share our My Way Back stories. We're going to talk about that more in a few minutes, but before we do that, I want to show you one example, a story from someone in our church. Uh, This is my friend Trent, and this is his My Way Back story. Take a look. Kind of felt disconnected that there was always something missing where I wasn't raised going to church on a consistent basis. I guess I was kind of going through the motions, I guess, in the Christianity sense where I knew who Jesus was. I wasn't actively living out my faith or uh, sharing anything that God was doing in me. The focus of my life at that time was things of this world like uh, sports in high school or uh, chasing girls or just things that really didn't have eternal value. I actually started going to church uh, because I was dating my wife now uh, at the time, So, and I really just went to impress her. And In college, uh, my freshman year, I decided to get baptized. Uh, so I, again, that was more of the going through the motions of Christianity. The, the in, intent behind it wasn't to have the relationship that I have now, it was to um, Put a check in the box that yeah I was I was gonna go to heaven. When we started coming to Genesis about five years ago, joined a men's group and really started to unpack who Jesus was while he was here on earth and the fact that um, I could live that out while I'm here on earth and as a matter of fact that's what we're called to do. I was opening up scripture more, I was praying more specifically about what's my identity and be um, affirmed in that and Jesus showed up time after time in that prayer so um, I would pray specific things like Lord how do you see me and he would show up through scripture and just encourage my heart and say you're good you are good time after time your identity now is um, is affirmed and what's next and how can we do kingdom work while we're here on earth and so that's been the biggest shift for me where it wasn't necessarily anything dramatic that happened um, overnight, but the changes started showing up in my heart first, and then I saw it through my actions or through conversations that I'd have with people who uh, wanted to know more about, about Jesus, or I saw an opportunity to share what God's doing in my life. I know that He loves me, and I know that um, uh, I'm not always perfect, but uh, He has a plan for my life, and that He uh, desires to spend time with me. So. I'm Trent Dahlstrom, and that's my way back. One of the cool things about Trent's story is it's not a dramatic, like, one-moment transformation. It's something that the Lord was speaking to him over time, but he's learned to tell his story in a way that makes it compelling for people. And so people can relate to Trent because, oh, yeah, I'm chasing those things, right? So we believe that telling your story is an important part of making disciples. Uh, But for some of us, it's hard because we don't really know our story. We don't really understand our story. And I think that's an important part of telling your story is really understanding who you are 
in Christ and writing it out and practice, practice, practicing, practicing it. I need to practice my speaking too. Uh, so let's turn to John 9. We're there. Uh, you're in your, there in your Bibles for some help. And we're going to meet a man who had a story to share about a miraculous work of Jesus in his life. And we're going to start with verse 1. We don't know this man's name, but we do know one defining thing about him we're going to find out in John 9.1. It says this, uh, John 9.1. As he, he is Jesus, as he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. That was a distinguishing characteristic for this man. He was the blind man. He was blind from birth. We don't know his name, but we know this about him, that he was born blind. Verse 2, his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this seems like either a dumb question by the disciples or maybe a, a not very nice question, right? What, what caused this man to be blind? Did he sin or did his parents sin? But this wasn't at all unusual. This would have been part of the Jewish culture as a, as a thought and understanding that when somebody is disabled, it happens because of sin, that it's a direct result of sin. And so they're just trying to get to the bottom of, is it this guy that sinned or was it his parents that sinned? It's not, uh, it, you know, it's, it's terribly, and you can imagine today to be blind is terribly difficult. You're at an incredible disadvantage, even with all the tools we have today. In the ancient world, it was that much worse. And so this man wouldn't have had much of a life. And so the disciples probably would have been looking for what caused this to happen to this man as they're looking for answers of who God is. Um, verse 3, neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Aha, foreshadowing. There's a key to a good story right there, right? Jesus says, the, the works of God are gonna be displayed in this man if you just hang on for a minute. I love that about this story. It's foreshadowing. And then Jesus says this, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Isn't that just so like Jesus? Always talking about his father, always talking about how God sent him, his father sent him. He's just gonna, I'm not gonna do anything on my own. I'm only gonna do what my father tells me to do. We've gotta do the works of him who sent me. And then he says, night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus understands, even at this point in John 9, he's already looking toward the cross. And he's saying, I don't have much time left, but while, it's, while the sun is up, I'm gonna do the work that God's called me to do. Uh, verse six, after saying this, he, okay, this is where it gets weird. All right, you just gotta be patient for a minute because here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes. Everybody close your eyes. Imagine you're born, uh, born blind. You're blind from birth. You can't see anything. You get this compassionate rabbi who comes up to you. He's got all of his followers around him. You don't know what's gonna happen. Uh, comes up, maybe puts his hand on your shoulder. Just pretend there's a hand on your shoulder. And then you hear a, <clears throat> Really, Jesus? We know, right, that Jesus can heal people who aren't even in the same room. He doesn't have to touch somebody. He can heal people. We've seen him heal people. He did this in, when he was in Cana. He healed a, a nobleman's son who was in Capernaum, like across the lake. You don't even have to be in the same city. And here's Jesus. And what, is he going to spit on me? Is that what he's, what's about to happen? Well, that's what's about to happen. He's actually going to spit on the ground. After saying this, he spit on the ground made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Really, Jesus? Really? And then verse seven. I know, ew, right? That's awful. Verse seven. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. Whoa, that's some magic loogie right there. Um, <laughs> 
So here's what happens. We're gonna skip over the next part of the story because this is an incredible encounter with Christ, right? Uh, he was blind and he meets this man, Jesus, doesn't even see him. And he spits on the ground, makes some mud, rubs it on his eyes, goes and tells him to go wash in the pool of Siloam. And then he comes out seeing. And what's gonna happen is this man goes about uh, around the pool rejoicing as you would, right? If you, were, you have been blind your entire life and now all of a sudden you think about all the colors that you can see for the first time. Um, all of the experiences you're going to get to have for the first time. You think about how your life is going to be so much easier. And so he's around, he's telling people. And over in the side, um, there's this group of guys, the Pharisees, the teachers of the law, the, the Jewish rulers of the day, the people who kind of held power over the Jewish people. And they're watching this and they're already frustrated with Jesus. This isn't the first time they've seen this movie. And then they see this guy who they know was blind and he's bouncing around. And so some of them say, well, now that's not the same guy. It just looks like him. But then they eventually reach the conclusion that it's the same guy and that he is no longer blind. He can clearly see. And so they, they corner him, they confront him. And, and, and they're concerned about a couple things. One, they're concerned about the rising popularity of Jesus. This Jesus who is like really turning the establishment on his head is becoming more and more popular and people are starting to follow him instead of follow them. And they're starting to listen to his teaching instead of their teaching. So they're concerned about that. But he also, he healed this guy on the Sabbath. And this, the Sabbath is supposed to be a day of rest and you're not supposed to do any work. And Jesus has kind of uh, turned that upside down a little bit and said, no, we have to have compassion even on the Sabbath. And these rulers are all about the rules and they're all about the laws. And they're saying, no, this isn't the way to do it. This isn't the way the word says that we should do it. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is about people. And the Pharisees don't really care about the people. They care about the, the, the law. And so um, they're going to confront this guy and they're going to make him tell him, you know, who is this guy that healed you? And so they bring him to testify and they threaten this man. And let's just skip down a little bit to, to John 9, 24. So we'll skip past uh, part of this story. In 9, 24, it says, so they call him, right? A second time they summon the man who has been blind. Give glory to God, they say, by telling the truth. We know this man, talking about Jesus, we know this man is a sinner. <clears throat> and this reply from this man born blind just blows your socks off. He says, he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know is I was blind, but now I see. He was, I was blind, but now I see. So this man's telling his story to the Pharisees and he's not saying, well, I, you know, I don't know if it was seven literal days or seven figurative days, right? He's, he's not saying, well, I don't understand like if Jonah really got swallowed by a fish uh, and got spit up onto the shore. He's not having to answer for that stuff. What's he saying? He's saying, hey, all I know is my story. I was blind, but now I see. And that's made all the difference in my life. That's his answer. What a great reply. He, he knew these men who were, had, had authority over him and he wasn't intimidated. And when questioned, he simply told the story of what had happened to him. All I know is I was blind, but now I see. That's his my way back story. And, and so this man's story can provide for us a little bit of a template, kind of a, a, a way that we can see how we can put our story together. A, a simple example of writing and sharing our own story. And there's, there's three parts to every My Way Back story. I've, I've included this in your notes. You can write this down if you want, if it's helpful to you. Uh, the, first, the first part is my life before Jesus. We don't know a lot of the details about this man before Jesus. Like I said, we don't even know his name. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, blanks that he could fill in for us if he were still here. What we do know is this, he was blind. And in fact, the text identifies him just as a man who was blind from birth. That's, that was kind of his identity. That was who he was before he met Jesus. So let me ask you, 
if you've had that encounter with Jesus, if, you've, if you're a Christian, if you've decided to follow Jesus, what was your life like before that happened? What was, your, what was your life? Describe your life. Can you describe your life before you trusted Christ? If you grew up around church and maybe you don't remember a time when you wouldn't have called yourself a Christian, what was your life like before you got serious about really following him? Your my way backstory begins with that. Who were you before Jesus? The second thing is this, um, how I started following Jesus. You know, for the man in John's story, Jesus stood face to face with him and put mud in his eye. Uh, that moment changed everything for this man. How did that happen for you? How did you find your way back to God? Was there a moment, was there an event where you encountered the love and grace of God in your life? Did a friend invite you to church? Did a family member start investing in you and talking to you about how Jesus changed their life? Maybe you went through a really hard time in your life and uh, it was from there that you encountered Jesus. You opened up your Bible one day and started reading and you started to explore what the word had to say about Jesus. How you met Jesus and responded to the message of his love and forgiveness is an important part of your My Way backstory. And then finally, the third part is my life since I met Jesus. Our friend from the story, he replied, I was blind, but now I see. And, and we don't know the rest of his story. We're left to fill in the blanks. But for all of us here today, we should ask ourselves, well, how am I different? How, how have my priorities changed? How has my purpose in life been clarified? Now, how's my relationship with God important to me now in a way that maybe it wasn't before? How has my view of other people changed? You know, one of the things that happens when you become a follower of Jesus is you become more compassionate. You have more uh, compassion for other people because you see that Christ loved every person that you look into the eyes of, Christ loved enough to die for them. And so you start to have that same compassion. Uh, what do you want other people to see in your life? When people look at you, when I look at Steve, I think of blank. And what do you want people to think about that? You know, how has knowing Jesus impacted the way that you serve and the way you work and the way you live in this world? No matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter how exciting or boring you think your story may be, if you are a follower of Jesus, you have a story to tell. And it's a great story because it's God's story. It's the story of God's work in your life through Jesus Christ. And maybe more than you know, God wants to use that to help other people find their way back to God. One of the things that we do when we do baptisms, we always make people write out their story and we baptize them and we tell their story. And we do that because I always tell people, uh, your before story is someone else's now. Like somebody is gonna hear your story and hear you talk about how you used to be and they're gonna think, oh, I'm like that now. And if Jesus can make a change in that guy, well, he can make a change in me, right? Maybe he can, so it gives us hope. And, and some of these stories are gonna give us hope. Our goal at Genesis Church, our mission is helping people find their way back to God. And one of the most effective ways for us to do that is for each of us to go out and live intentionally and faithfully for the Lord and be prepared to share the story of what Jesus Christ has done in our lives. And this series is all about preparing you for that. And so uh, two challenges for you today. Number one is that sharing, story, sharing your story begins with knowing your story, understanding your story. Knowing your story begins with writing your story. And so today when you walked in, you should have received a piece of paper that says my way back at the top. If you didn't get one of those, I'm just gonna give you permission to get up and walk out to one of these back doors and grab one off the host team uh, desk because we're gonna use those here in a couple of minutes. So you can go ahead and go get that now. And what I wanna do is I'm gonna challenge you this week. And in fact, we're even gonna carve out a couple minutes in the service today for you to start working on this. But if you don't get it done today, I wanna challenge you this week to spend some time reflecting on your life and doing the work to actually write out your story. 
How would you describe your life before meeting Jesus? Uh, how did you meet him? What has your life been like since uh, you encountered Jesus? Uh, like I said, I'm gonna give you a few minutes today, but even this week, if you don't get it done, take some time to do that. Try to get it to a place where you can share it in two minutes or less. And then here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna challenge every one of you to do that today, even if you don't have an after story, by the way. Even if you're here and you would say, you know what, I'm still checking Jesus out. I don't know what I believe about Jesus. I'm, I'm not really a church person. I don't really know what I believe about God or Jesus. Uh, it's okay. This might be a catalyst for you to, to look at your life and what it's like now and think, uh, I don't know, what, I wonder what God would wanna do in my life. You, you know the first question that Jesus asked his potential followers? Some of you know this if you've been around for a while. The very first question in John 1.38 that Jesus asked his potential followers uh, is, what do you want? In other words, he said, what, what are you seeking? What, what are you looking for? As, as we like to say at Genesis, what is the aim of your life? What, what is the central goal? What's the central motivation of your life? And maybe uh, while everybody else is writing out their story, maybe you wanna just take some time and think about that if you're not a Christian. What is the, if, if the aim of my life isn't following Jesus, what is it? Now here's the second part, and this may be a little scarier even yet for some of you. So I'm gonna teach you to write out your story. And the second thing is, I'm gonna ask you to record your story. As a way of taking this first step and as a way of encouraging our church family, I wanna challenge you to record your story. Actually record it. We have some, most of us, some really, really good video cameras that we carry around with us everywhere we go, right? And so there's some instructions at the bottom of this page. Uh, don't do it like this. This makes people sad. Do it like this. This makes people happy, right? Landscape, not portrait. Um, we wanna get you to share it in two minutes or less. Two minutes or less. Now, I did mine. Those of you who sit under my teaching every week, it won't surprise you to know mine was a little long. I'm sorry. It was two and a half minutes. Um, we're gonna, what we're going to do is uh, we're going to ask you to submit these to us via email. There's an email address, I think, at the bottom of the page, mywayback at genesischurch.me. If you send them to mywayback at genesischurch.me, uh, as long as you send them without any disclaimer, we, we assume we'll have permission to post them on our Vimeo page which is vimeo.com slash churchgenesis. That's on there as well. And we've already got more than a dozen on there. All of our staff videos are on there. The more produced ones, like you see Trent, um, is on there too. And we're gonna start collecting those and putting them on uh, our Vimeo page. And uh, yours could be part of that too. And as I said, I think that can be encouraging for people. Uh, before I have you take some time to work on that, I wanted to show you my way back story. So take a look at this. I was married at 22 years old. And neither my wife nor I were Christians when we got married. But I quickly found out there was one thing I was good at, and that was advancing in my career and making money. We had a good life, a great house, a great marriage, but I always knew there was something missing. Well, a few years into our marriage, some neighbors came over and invited my wife to join a Bible study they were going to host. I very clearly remember my wife agreeing to come join the study and then saying, well, who's going to be there? And my neighbor said, well, right now it's just you. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for our neighbors and their obedience to the Holy Spirit to go ahead with that study with just my wife. Because it's through that one study of the book of John that my wife came to accept the forgiveness of Christ and started following Jesus. Well, I saw the difference that it made in her and I saw how important it was to her. And so I decided even though I wasn't really interested in spiritual things, that I wanted to start going to church with her too. So we started this 
really broad uh, church search. I only had a couple of rules. One was you wouldn't have to wear robes to attend or to preach there. And two, I didn't want to be in a church where I had to stand up and sit down without anybody telling me the rules or telling me what to do. And so we we visited a lot of churches and landed at a great non-denominational Christian church where we sat for several years under some great teaching and great worship music. You know, music was kind of wasted on me at the beginning, worship, the musical worship portion of the service. I always told my wife, I don't sing in church. But I very clearly remember one Sunday, um, the music was playing and we were singing. Well, I wasn't singing. People around me were singing. I, I was watching. And I remember uh, getting goosebumps on my arms and breaking out into a cold sweat. And in that moment, I kind of looked around the church and I realized what these people are singing is real. It's true. It's right. And I kind of knew in that moment that I was going to accept Christ's forgiveness and start following him. You know, following Jesus has made all the difference in my life. Our lives have changed so much since that moment. We've got two beautiful daughters. Uh, We have a great life. I I have a great job that I love, um, and I don't think they'd let me pastor a church if I had never accepted Christ. Um, And so it has really made a difference in my life. I'll tell you, Following Jesus isn't always easy, but it is the single best decision I've ever made in my life. I put marrying my wife second and deciding to have kids third, but following Jesus has been first. I'm Steve, and that's my way back story. So they don't have to be real professional and produced. Most of them are going to be more like that. The Apostle Paul had like a dramatic encounter on the road to Damascus. The man born blind had a miraculous healing. Maybe that's part of your story. But for me, I just had a long runway of transformation. What's your My Way Back story like? I'm going to give you a minute or two here in a a moment, but I just want to tell you your story matters because your story is part of God's story in this world. It's part of his bringing redemption to a broken world. Author Donald Miller says this, He says, and once you live a good story, you get a taste for a kind of meaning in life. And you can't go back to being normal. You can't go back to meaningless scenes stitched together by the forgettable thread of wasted time. For all of us, our story, the story that God is weaving together in us is part of a bigger tapestry of stories. And so Justin's gonna play. Um, We're gonna give you just a couple minutes here in the service to start writing down your story. And uh, then we're going to sing one more song, and I'll come up and close out the service.